Namaste. We connect with prayers and meditations which are full of wonderful countless gems and pearls. And the prayer we are going to read today is a prayer which describes a stage of yoga, a, a very important stage of transition. So the background is that normally we are identified with a surface consciousness and we think that this is me. And what we think of as ourselves, as me, is uh, basically a bundle of habits, certain fixed uh, ways of uh, looking at life and reactions, etc. And we think this is me. For a long time we think this is me and others also know that this is, uh, believe that this is us. Then when one takes to yoga, now this first stage is known as Anish, when the soul is completely driven by the nature. So it is, if, if there is an impulse to anger, it is angry. If there is an impulse to joy, it is happy. If there is an impulse to sorrow, it is grieving. So it is driven by these impulses and it is a slave of nature. Very beautifully this is described in Savitri, the secret knowledge where Shrivindra describes the three poisons of Purusha and Prakriti. First is Anish. Then when we take to spiritual life, we hear there is something in the depth, something deeper, this. So we begin to, in, in whatever way, actually people say, what is the way? The way, <laughs> there is no way in one sense, paradoxically, but the way opens with the aspiration and the grace. So when we have the aspiration to go within, there is a help from grace. And then we begin to discover another me which is different from the surface life. So we, there is a new relation that begins to develop between soul and nature. The first is soul completely identified with nature. Anish. That means it is not Ish. Anish literally means I am not the master. Then the next is Sakshi. I am the witness. So now we are leading a divided existence. There is a part within us, we discover an inner space which is very beautiful, where we want to live, where we begin to enjoy and there is another space which is our usual nature, habitual, storm, turbulence, agitation, um, sting of lust, prick of desire, ego reactions, hundred things. Uh, and we can see now the difference between these two. But it gives a great vantage point. So whenever we are driven by the surface nature, we have a possibility of taking a step back and entering this wonderful inner space. Now, you know, one of the ways to do it is, uh, as Mother says beautifully, step back. Learn to step back from the whirlwind of forces. And how, why do we do it? How do we do it? Well, very simply, we have to see what we really value. Do we value this life where there is all this agitation, anxiety, anger, jealousies, hate? Is it really worth it? If we value it, it's a different thing. We should live in it and have the consequences of it. Consequences are momentary thrills followed by much suffering. But if we value a deeper life, then we step back and then we see what is really the worth of all this kind of living. And we realize that actually it is worthless. We were spending our breath, wasting our energy and everything on what ultimately? This life, now as long as we don't know there is a higher possibility or a deeper possibility, it's alright. But when we know that there is one such possibility, then it's foolish to continue to remain on the surface. 
But how do we go within? We have to disengage. Now, if all day I am thinking of uh, uh, all the outer things, uh, my body, my food and comfort and everything, what happened in the, according to the senses, sensory experience, then obviously I can't go deep with it because I am tied very strongly with bonds. So we have to learn to practice a little bit of detachment. Not to think about these things which are generated by the senses and which are, uh, by the senses we are constantly, we go outward and we are bound. But to live in a realm of idea, for example, higher the idea, the more profound the idea, the uh, less we get engaged with the senses and the more we are begin to be tuned inside. So this is one way, step back and the mother says, look upon things and see how ephemeral they are, how changing they are. Look at a simple thing like mood. So often we hear mood nahi hai. Ya aaj iska mood kar raha hai. Means what? I am a slave to my moods. Basically it means this. So what is mood? Mood is like a wave. So it comes, ah, wonderful mood, I am on a high. Next, what does this wave do? Because wave is on its way, enjoying. It crushes. They say, oh my God, whole day is spoiled, this happened, that happened. That's because I have chosen to be driven by the moods. But we can take another poise. We can surf the waves. We have the moods, but we ride on the moods. We are not its slave. But between these two poises, being a master of nature and being a slave of nature, there is a middle phase of Sakshi, learning to witness things. And that's what we are going to read today. It's a wonderful uh, prayer, meditation, reflection. Prayer dated May 26th, 1914. And the mother is describing this experience so beautifully. On the surface is the storm. The sea is in turmoil. Waves clash and leap one on another and break with a mighty uproar. So she is giving us a beautiful image. Every day we watch it. So on the surface, all the storm and everything happens. Now you see when the tsunami is taking place on the surface, if you go to the depth, it is still calm. That is the beauty. <laughs> it is still calm. Little bit earthquake has come in some area of the ocean bed and the rest of the ocean is, by and large, it stays with that calmness. But all the time, under this water, in fury, are vast, smiling expanses, peaceful and motionless. So one is that we must know there are two parts, at least of us. One is which is in storm, agitation, surface driven and the other is which is vast, calm, wide and we can enter into this. This much we should know. How to make somebody enter into it? <laughs> the same method. Don't give importance to the surface phenomena. If somebody has said something, the reaction is of anger, don't give importance to that. We start judging, oh, you are like this. Finished. The game is over. So already the person is struggling on the surface. We have fixed the person. Isn't it? So instead of that, we should remind what was the great saying of the Upanishad. Svet Ketu, thou art that. Tattvamashi. Not Svet Ketu, you are this creature. Horrible. Instead of that, Svet Ketu, you are such a beautiful being. Mother speaks of it in one of the 
that we should be in that state where like a sage we should be able to tell this beautiful words of a sage arise o resplendent one instead of saying you are a weak person you have this problem you have this difficulty it's not about positive thought you know that instead of criticizing praising it's not that because praise is almost at the same level as criticism praise means we are flattering the ego and criticism means we are pricking the ego but this is going to a state which is trans ego it transcends the ego it's not about uh, i am such a good guy or i am such a bad guy it's about i am not a guy i am the lord's ansha i am the divine portion i am a portion of the infinite that has to be reminded so the moment we realize that then things begin to change so we have to we can calm any fury you see how there is a story in shiva puran when mother kali is in mother parvati has assumed the form of kali and she is destroying all the worlds and even the gods are running here there then what does shiva do shiva knows that she has the heart of the mother and this behind this fury is the heart of a mother you know if we understand that what is behind this anger is is love is whatever so what he does shiva becomes a baby what about it batukavatar he becomes a baby now he is not doing this sleeping and you know he becomes a baby and starts crying now when mother kali who is on a rampage suddenly sees this baby cry so she begins to wonder now seeing the baby cry her vatsalya comes out and she changes back to gauri the divine mother so this is the uh, if you put yourself in a state which is conducive to the deeper state of the person you will help the person enter into that state but if you get caught up in the surface movement replying anger with anger hate with hate discussion with more punch packed discussion <laughs> then it will be endless debate but if you enter into that state you know mother so then everything changes so she is reminding us how you look at this surface agitation from the depth they look upon the surface agitation they is the calm vast smiling expanses of our own being they look upon the surface agitation as an indispensable act for matter has to be vigorously churned if it is to become capable of manifesting entirely the divine light very interesting never looked at it like that we think it is meaningless useless but why all this intense energies this passion driven creature pricked by desire lust anger why because matter is such a hard fellow if you tell it very softly gently look here matter you know you are divine it <laughs> finished you shake it up it it wakes up so in an extremely tamasic state in which the human body and earth matter is earth substance is so it has to be shaken up that's why the asuras come first they are called as the elders they are the first born so what do they do with all the asuric nature they trample upon earth and because of the heavy tread matter begins to break and crack 
it begins to call the divine because of the tread of the asura so the first stage of evolution is when all these forces move us so that's why shirbindo says every human being is an asura by birth it is by spiritual life that he changes into the deva nature it is not that samara asura samara devas <laughs> because by birth we are born in a body which is prone to tamas so you'll see that when a child grows up desire has to move that's why when people asked mother mother why do you we have prizes and competitions for children when actually we are not supposed to have ambition mother said but are the children doing yoga are they ready for yoga so for children it is there because then they feel the enthusiasm to do better but when you go past that stage then what do you give advice get over desire ambition is dangerous harmful so it depends on the stage there is a stage of evolution when all this intense activity churning vigorously it turns matter round and round and it's like balram's uh, krishna's elder brothers plow which tills the soil so before you sow the seeds you till the soil so it tills the soil so she says when she looks at it she understands you know when somebody went and complained to shurvindo sir there was a showdown between c and n today heated exchange of words what was shurvindo's reply he says well when fire meets fire what else will it be and it is almost midsummer now because this is uh, you know he could see that this there are portions of nature which are obscure so they wake up like this that's why in the world also we see in the divine action many such things happen for matter has to be vigorously churned if it is to become capable of manifesting entirely the divine light behind the troubled appearance but what we should not forget and what we should always remember is behind the troubled appearance behind the struggle and anguish of the conflict the consciousness remains firm at its post so she has learned this this is the truth of everyone we don't know it so there should be some part which should separate and remain firm in the post so it's a double state it's beautifully described in synthesis of yoga self surrender the way of the geeta when this is the first step where you see simultaneously a part which is caught and a part which is free in in the upanishad is described as dwasuparna the two birds one which is eating the fruit and the other which is above and enjoying it is freed from it <laughs> i had a very funny experience about it this isha upanishad this not isha upanishad but upanishad verse i was sharing this 80s late 80s in a group that you know dwasopanna we were having an upanishadic reading and i was trying to explain so there was a person sitting there and he said sir but the other bird also must be wanting to eat the fruit so you know he couldn't get the analogy and the symbol of separation that he must be also wanting to eat the fruit <laughs> i said yeah i guess so but if it is so much happy without eating the fruit why would it want to do this all this exercise it is having the joy of the fruit and much more it is looking up so it when it looks up it sees that it is sitting atrati so this double state consciousness so there is the consciousness form at its post so the station of consciousness should be inside then when the waves come you know how to handle it 
But if that is the station of consciousness, then we are like a cork upon the sea. Observing all the movements of the outer being, this is the witness self. It intervenes only to rectify direction and position. Time to time it will intervene. So, from Sakshi it is going towards Ishabhav. It does intervene time to time when it sees the place becoming too much. So, rectify direction and position so as not to allow the play to become too dramatic. Too dramatic means two people are fighting. Now, you know, one is when the consciousness doesn't go inside. So they fight, they become so angry, they stop talking to each other, they cut off all connection, everything is possible. The other is you know after a while that this is now becoming too dramatic. You know, there is, now it is escalating. So what do you do? When that situation is happening, you say, okay, ma, sorry, <laughs> this is very simple. <laughs> Something, you know, famous example of Nalnida, somebody caught him on the road and insulting him, going on insulting. So Nalnida hears for some time, after 10 minutes he said, Seshoigelo, is it over? Can I go now? <laughs> so... <laughs> There are ways and means one can do this. It's, it tremendously will improve our everyday life, our relationship, our uh, the degree of joy we can experience. Otherwise, you know, we are caught all the time to learn to be inwardly free, even if outwardly a movement comes, so that the play does not become too dramatic. This intervention is now firm and a little severe, now ironical, a call to order or a mockery. Full always of a strong, gentle, peaceful and smiling benevolence. So the intervention that takes place from the soul depths is never condemning, full of guilt. Oh my God, you are such a horrible person. See, I am unfit. It, this is not soul intervention. Soul intervention is always full of gentle, calm, peaceful. It can be firm. No, I don't want. I don't want to be angry, anger prone. I don't want this. But not say, oh, you are an angry fellow. You are useless. You are gone for good. You are a lost case. No. So this difference is reminding us. Sometimes it's a little severe. Sometimes it's full of mockery. Oh, you fellow, you have made a fool again of yourself. <laughs> Shubhinda says that, no. Sin is a trick of Krishna. And at one place he says that earlier when I used to fall into... Uh, into this state then I would get angry at Krishna you have made me fall again then later on I would get up and with the corner of my eyes I would look at him but I have to pardon him it's okay <laughs> So, but initially he would get angry why did you do this and then you pardon him but by this means slowly we learn to Start living within. This is a process. It's not like either we are here or there. There is a middle phase. And we all must understand and give time to each other to evolve. So sometimes it's, then it's full of mockery. Sometimes order. No, no, it's very disorderly to be like this. You know, when, when we are agitated, what happens? We are, our sleep is disturbed. Chaotic thoughts begin to come. What a disorder it is in the head. In this silence I beheld thy infinite and eternal beatitude. So when we go into the depths, it's a moment, it's like changing a channel and everything changes. 
Then softly a prayer rises towards thee from what is still in the shadow and the struggle. This is a double poise. And now what to do? She is sending a prayer. She is teaching us how to handle this situation. Normally what we do, either we say, well, this is my nature. I don't care. Or we say, I am bad, I am useless. We are sucked into it. Or we say, oh, I am so horrible guilt. All these are ignorant mechanisms. What, what is the right way? This my surface nature, this is me, the deeper me. And then what happens? There is a prayer. What is the prayer from that part which is struggling? Oh, sweet master. Master is always sweet. He is never angry. We may feel all this, but master is always sweet. You know that story when Hutadi one day in anger threw flowers at mother and went away, said, ah, I don't love you. Something like that. And she goes, I am packing up and going to go away. And mother sends Vasudhadi with a nice card. And she says, mother has sent this card. Okay, keep it there. Don't you want to know what mother said as soon as you left? Okay, okay, tell me. She said, she herself does not know how much she loves me. Now mother can say that because she is looking at the depths. If we all also can connect to the truth of everyone, life would be so beautiful and everything. So there is a prayer, Oh sweet master, master looks like this. He does not condemn, he does not judge, he does not punish. Oh supreme giver of illumination and purity, grant that all substance and every activity may be no more anything other than a constant manifestation of thy divine love and thy sovereign serenity. May all my being, inner and outer, outer nature is the most difficult part, changes in the end. That's why when people near to you, they begin to say, yes, you are a good guy, means something genuine has happened. They will be the last to notice. Why? Because they will, you will be drawn in an ego tussle, and they'll say, see, nothing has changed inside you. <laughs> but when they notice that there is a change, means there is a change. Because surface nature, not that you should depend on that. You would know yourself. But the surface nature, outer being is the last to change in the yoga. It is still prone. So there is a prayer going up. To whom? How we relate to the divine? If we say, you are a punisher, then what will be the prayer? Punish me. Like there are some people now who punish themselves. This is turning the divine into a monster. But the divine is all merciful, graceful. So to pray that may all my nature, inner and outer, everything become a means of manifesting thy supreme love and sovereign serenity. That peace which is undisturbed by anything. And in my heart is this song of gladness of thy sublime magnificence. When we do it, we are soothed, healed. Why? One, because the right attitude. Second, most importantly, the divine touch is there. So that's what we should turn to the divine, offer this part and pray and aspire for more beauty, more light, more peace, more love rather than wallow in the mud. This is our difficulty. Not only we wallow in our mud, we wallow in others' mud also. You know that story of two monks crossing a river 
So they saw that there was a woman, young pretty woman struggling in the stream. So they are thinking, oh, all kinds of thoughts. Some monks were there. So their master quietly went, picked up the woman, helped her on the shore and said, are you okay? Yes, and went away. Now the other monks are wondering, how could our master do it? Not a good fellow. After three days, the master asked, what happened to you? You have a question, you are disturbed. Yes, master, that day it happened. Oh, that day? I left it there. You are carrying in your head. So you see, it's like somebody's mud also we wallow. Our load is good enough. <laughs> so, so this is the beautiful lesson in this uh, lovely prayer. One of my favorites, May 26th, 1914. On the surface is the storm, the sea is in turmoil. Waves clash and leap one on another and break with a mighty uproar. But all the time, under this water in fury, are vast, smiling expanses, peaceful and motionless. They look upon the surface agitation as an indispensable act, for matter has to be vigorously churned if it is to become capable of manifesting entirely the divine light. Behind the troubled appearance, behind the struggle and anguish of the conflict, the consciousness remains firm at its post, observing all the movements of the outer being. It intervenes only to rectify direction and position, so as not to allow the play to become too dramatic. This intervention is now firm and a little severe, now ironical, a call to order or a mockery, full always of a strong, gentle, peaceful and smiling benevolence. This is the inner guide. If we find the psychic being, we found the inner guide. As simple as that. In this silence I beheld thy infinite and eternal beatitude. Then softly a prayer rises towards thee from what is still in the shadow and the struggle. O sweet master, O supreme giver of illumination and purity, Grant that all substance and every activity may be no more anything other than a constant manifestation of the, thy divine love and thy sovereign serenity. The substance is a cryptic word, mental substance, vital substance, physical substance, they all have their own substance. And in my heart is this song of gladness of thy Sublime magnificence. Namaste.